Good Gabs, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, today we are lucky to have Phil Harrison, Executive Director of Ronald McDonald House of the Inland Northwest. Phil, Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Man, how's your morning going? It's going uh, pretty good. The weather is gone from like, oh, it's really nice to now I had to pull out the pea coat. So, but it's all good. <laughs> now we're ready for that ski season. Yeah, well, it's coming. Yes, so. it is. <laughs> how's the new house? Like, yeah. it is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Been open for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I imagine it's filling up quickly. There's yeah. a lot of need, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the need is definitely yeah. there. Um, so, you know, when... The pandemic happened. It's March 2020. I remember one of the last things I remember doing was going to the open house for the new house. It was when I was working for the Y at the time. And, you know, it's gorgeous. It's awesome. And then we open, we move families in. Two weeks later, pandemic kicks. Yeah. So you completely threw everything that you were ready to do out the window and you're completely pivoting. But uh, so since that time, there's been a slow, steady buildup. It was, you know, we would get the parameters of how many families we could have at the time. And we never stopped uh, hosting families. We did have to pause intake, but we never stopped with, you know, the families who are currently staying, they obviously got to continue to stay. Um, And then it was a slow trickle back up. So it was like based on certain parameters, you could have this many families. Right. These areas are closed and slowly, but surely we've been picking back up, you know, that average of adding on about five families every six months. That was kind of the steady average uh, for a little bit. And so, uh, so I've been there just over a year. And when I started, we were about 20, 25 families. We have 34 fa- total families that can stay in the new house. That's a North. busy house. Yeah. Yeah. So we had about 20, 25 families. So the original house, the South house hosts 22 families. So we knew, you know, what that was like. We have an idea of 25 families and what that was like. There was a couple of times that house would fill during this last year and we'd have families in both houses. And then at about April 2022 this year, we started seeing our our increase in how many families we're staying with us, and we were at a pretty steady rate. So since April, we've had families staying in, bo- in both houses. Um, in wow. July of this year, we had the most families stay with us ever in one night. We had 49 of the 56 total rooms occupied. Um, so we were not full, but we were we were getting close. So we had 49 families staying with us. That's the most we'd ever have. That was the 4th of July. Um, so how do you staff for that? <laughs> we had That's a plan. Double. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a plan. Um, you know, so uh, all along this year, we, we anticipated that, Hey, if things continue on the trend with where they're at with the pandemic, things opening back up, we did anticipate using both houses. What we didn't anticipate was how many so soon we thought we right. would be about 35, 40 families between the two houses. Um, like I said, I would say since May, we've been averaging 40 to 45 families. Um, so currently, uh, the start this week, we had 35 families staying with us, and um, we had another 10 checking in. Now, there's a lot of checkouts and check-ins that happen, and it, you know, there's coming and going that happens. Um, but like I said, since probably about May, we've had 40 to 45 families staying with us and that's it was at a much quicker rate than we anticipated so and we're opening up our family rooms in both deaconess and in sacred heart um so yes yeah, what's that look like a, I, I i don't know what a family room what's that mean yeah, yeah yeah so um 
so we have the the two houses, and then we have our house in northern Idaho, um, and then in Sacred Heart and in Deaconess, and then also out in Kootenai, we have the family rooms where um, for families, so the requirement to stay is at the house is you need to be 40 minutes or 40 miles away from your local hospital. Um, so the families who stay with us aren't from Spokane. Right. You know, so... Uh, 40 to 60%, depending on the fluctuation in, in a given year, it fluctuates between northern Idaho. We serve nine counties across northern Idaho and then the 15 counties across eastern Washington, primarily the Tri-Cities, Moses Lake, Clarkson, Lewiston areas, all throughout the, the Columbia Basin. So those are the primary regions where our families are coming from. So the family rooms, um, those are for families who maybe are a little closer, so 20 minutes. So families maybe like in the Colbert region okay. or, you know, pretty far south, um, um, Sprague area, where they're a little closer to town. Um, and a lot of those families are NICU or uh, PICU families. Um, so it's a place for them to stay where they, you know, they can grab a nap during the day. They can shower, have a place to reprieve from the hospital room. Um, so a real respite. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it, it, you know, you walk in, it, it looks similar to how our house looks. Um, so it does feel like you're in a home and you're not in the hospital, which is what we always aim to achieve. So it's a respite area for those families. Um, and so those are scheduled to open here at the end of the month. Um, in both of the Deaconess and Sacred Heart, and we're going to open those at uh, half capacity. So there's four rooms in each, so we'll have two families staying in both of those, which we're, we're pretty excited about. What a killer partnership. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's... Has that uh, been in the works for a while? Yeah, so Sacred mm. the Sacred Heart room's been around for a few years, and then Deaconess, um, we added that room uh, back in 2019, I believe. Um, and so that was that's a pretty new partnership, but we're happy for both of those to have that availability space. Um, obviously, it relieves a little pressure off of the families um, who are staying with us. Along, It allows us to serve more, more families. Yes. Yeah, greater population. Some of those families who, you know, are in that 20 minute range, um, a little farther. So, um, just more respite for more families. So pretty cool partnership. We're glad we're able to open them. You know, we're not opening them at, um, the full capacity for, you know, obvious reasons. The hospitals are not running out there. Yeah, they're still full in, in the hospitals. You know, they still have their guidelines in place. And, you know, we work really closely with them to make sure we're respectful of their gu- guidelines and policies. And so uh, this was a joint conversation over the last three to six months of, hey, is this the right thing to do? Are we ready to open? Um, you know, the hospitals are great in providing volunteers. So are they able to staff and help us out, which relieves staff dollars for us? Um, and then long, along with that, the infectious disease, uh, standpoint, you know, are we ready for that? Can we maintain it? Have we learned enough? And, um, all parties agreed. Yeah. Hey, let's open this at half capacity. We can do this. And if everything's going right, then we'll look at, at a later time next year to see if we want to expand. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what a way to serve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I said, local mm-hmm. and far away. Mm-hmm. What I'm curious, like our listeners, they might want to know like what, what does a typically typical family look like? Yeah. Like who's in your house? Oh, great. How do we help? <laughs> yeah. Great, great <laughs> question. So, um, it, it changes. Um, so, you know, our mission is we serve, uh, families whose children are accessing medical needs, whether for injury or illness. So, uh, you know, most common is, uh, obviously ki- kiddos who are seeking, uh, chemotherapy for cancer. Um, so we do see a lot of those, um, recently this year, I, the, the big thing in, in talking with our, our partners and it's, it's not just us, this is across the, the country and what hospitals are seeing. Um, a lot of the, uh, newborns, uh, and, and the NICU. So, uh, 
you know, when babies are born, they're born, um, they're born early. Right. Um, you know, when they're born, they'll have a, a condition that requires them to stay in the hospital for an extended amount of time. Um, so we've seen a, a really large intake in that. And that was one reason why over the summer and I think continually just talking to our partners, we're, we're, we're going to see that, um, as a common increase. Um, and then for injury, you know, we've had kiddos who stayed with us, who've been in a bad car wreck, um, who, um, you know, we're in a skiing accident, you know, you name it. So, um, it's really any child who's accessing any sort of medical service. And then, you know, we have one kiddo who has been staying with us for, for quite a while now she's awaiting a transplant. So, um, you know, it could be a number of, uh, of different things. Injury or illness. Injury or illness. Yeah. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in the NICUs when I used to sell medical supplies and, I can't just imagine what the families are going through. I know like how I felt. Yeah. And I yeah. wasn't even the parent. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. You know, it, it, uh, it's, it's tough in the, in the dream scenario, we as the Ronald McDonald house wouldn't exist, you know, when earlier when we were talking about serving more families than we ever had before, it's great to celebrate that. You know, we, we built this great house. It's, it's incredible what it, it does, what it serves for families. Very happy to be there. But it is weird to say like, oh, hey, we serve more families. You don't, it's not necessarily a number you want to celebrate, mm -hmm. but you know that when you're talking to a donor or you're talking to someone who wants to help, like there is the need there and you are that, that place that can be there for them. And so what these families are going through, you know, I'm, I'm not a parent myself, so I can't, I can't even begin to imagine the stress um, the worry that they are feeling. Um, and so if we can provide any sort of relief to them, it is huge. And I think when you talk to those parents and you just, you just feel their thankfulness to what we provide, um, you know, just having the place to sleep, providing transportation to and from the hospital um, is huge. And you feel that and you hear other families talk to each other and, um, one family's like, I bet that's powerful. It is. It yeah. really is. It really is. You'll have one family who says, Oh, I, we don't have it that bad. And then the other one's like, no, 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 no. We don't have that bad. So there's this level of, of thankfulness that goes around. And then, you know, families taking care of each there's other some healing in that moment, I imagine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And oh. you know, one thing that's been nice is we've been able to open up our community areas again. Um, so getting families to connect, that's one of the things we really want families to do. We want them to connect. We want them to be together. You know, that healing that happens, um, that ability to share your burden and find that empathy in someone else who is going through something similar is huge. You know, we had, uh, one family who was staying with us, um, pretty cool, uh, the dad was a huge Raiders fan, is a huge okay. Raiders fan. Um, and uh, he was staying with us for a few months. He's going to be back here in a couple months. But dad was a huge Raiders fan. And this year, the the Las Vegas Raiders uh, were the opening game for preseason. Right. And uh, he was really excited about it. And what he ended up doing was he got a bunch of wings and ribs and he cooked them up in the barbecue. And we have a movie theater room uh, at the North House. And so he reserved the room and he told all the families, hey, anyone who wants to come by, I'm making dinner. We can watch the Raiders game. Um, and that's the type of like community, the healing, the support that you want to see is Families doing other things to help each other out, whether it's something as simple as making a dinner or, hey, yeah, like I can, you know, families who interact and their kids become friends and it's like, hey, hey, I'll watch for 15 minutes so you can go rest your eyes. Like things like that. Like you want that community healing and that community connectedness to happen. 
I can see like when people are in service to each other, mm-hmm. right? Because they, mm-hmm. they're this burden is lifted. Mm-hmm. You know, just being in the house itself. I imagine it's like we have a place. It's safe. Mm-hmm. It's comfortable. Right. We're fed. Yeah. And then if that they can give back right in that moment. Yep. It's got to feel good. Yeah. And then that give back doesn't stop there. You know, we have families who uh, continue to give back. Who you know they leave. And they run supply drives back at home or they will send in, you know, hey, here's a a check to help out the next family. Um, They'll come back and cook meals. Um, They'll join our board. You know, the number of times that I've been somewhere and it's like, oh, I stayed at the house. You know, one time I was doing I was running a booth at the trade show. And afterwards, I ran to grab a pizza on my way home. And I'm sitting there and waiting for the pizza, and I'm talking to the guy who is at the 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 cook and the chef, and he's like, "Oh, well, what do you do?" And I was like, "Oh, I work for the Ronald McDonald House." And he's like, "Oh, I stayed at the Ronald McDonald House," and started talking about you know wh- why he stayed and how thankful he was, and so. And then that give back doesn't happen, you know. We get businesses all the time who's like, "Hey, you know, you took care of my kiddo. I want to, you know, do a roundup program for a month." So that give back doesn't happen with the doesn't stop once they leave either. That was my first exposure. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my friends, uh, she was, you know, fighting cancer over in Seattle. Yeah. Stayed at the house there. And later her family um, said, Steve, you want to come cook at the house? Yeah. And that was here in Spokane. Yeah. Uh, the old house, South House. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my first exposure. And I was like, whoa, what yeah. is happening here? Because yeah. I'd always heard about the Ronald McDonald House, but I just, I actually didn't, I was ignorant. Yeah. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Same. And, I, I it's very similar experience. You know, I attended an annual breakfast because when I worked with the Y, I worked for Camp Good Times, or we hosted Camp Good Times for kids for who had been diagnosed with cancer. And I went to the Ron McDonald House annual breakfast. And that was the first time that I was exposed. And someone got up there and shared their story. And, you know, I'm fresh out of college, you know, just as a not working as a program coordinator. And I was like, yep, here, take my money. Like, here's <laughs> my like, one Starbucks. Here's my one Starbucks a week I can give you. This is what I can do. Um, and then later on, the Good Times staff and myself would go cook a meal. And so that was my, you know, next exposure and seeing that carried forward, you know, working with good times there, we have kiddos who stay with us who eventually go. And so they're going to be coming to cook a meal here um, sometime in the winter. They want to do the same. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were talking a little bit about the why. I know our listeners, they're interested in you. Yeah. Like, tell us a little bit about yourself. The, yeah. You've been in Spokane long. Just let, uh, yeah. us, let us understand you, yeah. Phil. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've, I've been in Spokane a long time. I'm born and raised. All right. Um, so, yeah, I grew up here as a kid. And then uh, I went to the University of Washington for undergrad. And like everyone who goes to college, uh, didn't know what I wanted to do and I tell I so I when I worked for the Y, I worked for a summer camp, so I worked with a lot of college students. And one of the things I'd always tell them was like, "Hey, you don't have to know what you're going to do. That's okay. <laughs> no one advice. does. No one does." Um, and so I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was as a working at the summer camp as a summer camp counselor. I came back. That was you know my first job out of college. I started working as a program person. Um, and my initial thought is I wanted to be a teacher. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. I can uh, see you as a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> I like working yeah. with people. Um, obviously, working for a summer camp, you work with kids. I work with teens. And so I like that idea of helping grow youth and helping them achieve their best self. So obviously, that was very attractive. And uh, English was a subject that came very natural to me. And I did feel that English and teaching allowed me to have uh, a larger impact uh, on kids in a way that could allow them to grow. Not to say that the other subjects wouldn't do that. That was just me personally. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Like what, what's in your mind on that? Why, why those things? Yeah. So one of hmm. my favorite teachers that I ever had, most of my teachers, not surprisingly were English teachers, but my, my favorite teacher, every day we'd have a writing prompting come in and there'd be something written on the board. And so we'd come in and he was just like, all right, once the bell rings, you know, you write for five minutes and there'll be a prompt on the board. Um, but his big thing was like, I don't care if you answer the question. Like if you come in and you look at the question, and you're like, I don't want to answer that question. What I do want to say is I want to write about how my, you know, boyfriend broke up with me and uh, now we're broken up or, oh my gosh, I played so bad last night. Like whatever it is um, in, in my basketball right. game. Yeah, but right. Just right. If you want to talk about the movie you saw two weeks ago and what the effect it, he, he did not care. His big thing was just write for five minutes, express yourself. Um, and I, I really appreciated that. And there are times when obviously I would answer the question, but the other times it was like, Hey, I've got this on my mind. I want to write about it. Um, and I really appreciated a teacher who allowed you not only to express yourself, but then put yourself in your writing. And so then, you know, that translated to, uh, other assignments. Yes, there were assignments that were the mandatory assignments that you know, curriculum dictated that he did, but you still were allowed to insert yourself. And I had a number of English teachers that would allow like, Hey, you want to do a, a book report or a biography, whatever it was, but you could put yourself in there and they would always reward those students who put themselves into the project, you know, nice. didn't stray from that. And I do feel, uh, that the, the, subject of English and literature can allow you to do that. And I've taken literature classes where like poetry is not something that I'm fond of. And I took a poetry class in, in college and believe me when I say I was cynical as anyone could be in that class. And I think two or three poems I ended up writing were satire and cynical of poetry and how much I didn't like it, but I did great on it because, <laughs> it, because the teacher was yes. like, Hey, well, Hey, you're putting yourself in there. You're letting your voice be heard. So that's why I was drawn it to warmed your heart. Yes, it did. It did. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I liked working with people. And then while I was working for the Y at the time as a program coordinator, my, uh, actually my mom was like, Hey, have you heard of this program at GU, uh, for organizational leadership? And my plan was just to take a year to work and then go back to school and get my master's in teaching. Um, but during that time working for a nonprofit, I was like, oh, hey, I enjoy this. I like this. I like working with people. And so then this was actually going to allow me to work at the same time and pursue my master's. So nice. that's what I decided to do. And, you know, there was the logical side of me. I was like, well, I could work for five years and then also have my master's. That'll look really good on a resume. Like, so there was it's that logical, it's very logical. So there was that part of me that was like, oh, this makes sense. So that's why I chose to go to GU for my organizational uh, leadership and get my master's there. And then 
later I decided to leave the Y for a little bit, worked for Dory in the school photography company, very much enjoyed my time there. Some great folks there. Great. Really? Were you setting up the, the backdrops at schools? <laughs> well, I, I, I will tell you, I did learn and I did go to a couple school. I was not hired as a photographer. Okay. Uh, I was hired as a marketing person and, and some business development and business strategy, um, which was great experience to see a for-profit world and just how things are a little different. Absolutely. Um, and get involved there. And so, like I said, I enjoyed my time. And then the Y came calling back. Uh, they had an executive director position open at the camp that I ended up going to as a kid. And so I went and worked there for Camp Reed for a number of years. Um, and then uh, the opportunity for the Ronald McDonald House opened up and uh, heard about it. And, you know, a great institution here in Spokane, great nonprofit, not just in Spokane, but across the country. Absolutely. Um, another way I can serve more people across the the state, you know, in a larger geographic region. So I was like, well, Hey, let me, let me see if, uh, I have a shot here. And, um, I received a, a bit of advice and cause I was really nervous to apply like, Hey, this, this is a big That's step. Pretty natural. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a big step. It's a big job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was like, well, you know, I, I don't want to be afraid of failure, but like, Hey, this is, this is a big step. And, um, I received some advice from person I was working with at the Y and I, you know, close, we worked hand in hand and I told her, I was like, Hey, I've got this opportunity that's presented itself. What should I do? She was like, well, you know, you apply and right. uh, start there, <laughs> start there. You apply. And I was like, I mean, okay. Like, are you sure? Like I'm, I'm going to leave then if I get it, it's hard to start that though. Right. Yes. And let alone press the buttons. And... Right. Right. And you know, she, she gave me a good piece of advice and it comes um, from her and her husband who two people I really appreciate. And they're just like, Hey, you apply. Cause two things are going to happen. One, you're going to learn where you stand. You're going to learn a lot. It's never a bad thing to interview because everyone can practice those skills. Um, and then, you know, third, if you get it, great. It's an, it's an incredible opportunity, but at least you know what you, where you stand, you know what you can work on. And along the way for us or where I was at the time, like you might be able to pick something up that you can bring to us. And so, you know, so I chose to apply and it's pretty lucky enough. Yeah. That's incredible advice. Yeah. Yeah. I think our listeners could take that. Anyone could take that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. See where you stand. Yeah. And when I thought back, so we, you know, we did leadership Spokane together. Yeah. That was fun. Yes, it was. It was. And, uh, uh, I can't remember the speaker off the top of my head. Um, I think it was one of the original leadership Spokane folks, but they were talking about opportunities and, you know, say yes, like, just see what happens. And, um, gosh, I wish I could remember who this was, but, um, she was saying that so many of the great things in her life were because she said yes to new opportunities. And, you know, I remembered her saying that coupled with the advice I gave about or received about, you know, apply and see what happens. I was like, all right, well, you know, great things lead to when you take on opportunities. Yeah. I think I remember that. It was when there was the panel of yes. the original folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That so. impacted me too. I actually uh, ended up uh, volunteering for an organization called Spokane housing ventures. Yeah. In the low income housing world. Yep. And I think that was kind of one of those moments for me too. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, and it really is like, it's like whether it's, volunteering for something, stepping up when someone asks you for your help. Now, obviously I think you got to be mindful of your own time and your own capacity. Um, but yes, saying yes, I, I do think leads to good opportunities and in the long run can be beneficial. Has volunteering been part of your life? Oh yeah. I mean, forever I should say, yeah. or when did it come into your life? I guess that's the real question. Um, Ooh, gosh, 
I think one of the first times I remember volunteering as a kid, um, my mom signed us up to volunteer for the Special Olympics. Okay. I was, I don't know, I want to say in, in elementary school, maybe sixth, seventh, sixth, seventh grade. And uh, I remember doing that. That was one of the first volunteer opportunities I, I really remember. Like I did Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts as a kid, but like, hey, we're going to sign, like, going to sign up. We're going to go do this on our own time kind of thing and not necessarily a club, uh, which, uh, which was great. But I, that was one of the first times I remember doing something like that. And then, you know, I volunteered at the wife a number of different capacities. Um, and, you know, other opportunities that came up through school, whether it was fun drives or, you know, fundraisers, things like that, ways I could help out. But yeah, volunteering, I can say like dating back goes back a while. So sounds like it. Yeah. Did it sound- I'm curious, a lot of people we've talked to over, you know, the last couple months, mm-hmm. it's like, start to hear, and it sounds like there's this heart of service yeah. in the folks that we're talking about, and mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes it's, like, learned, sometimes people are born with it, yeah. sometimes it's an event that happens, I mean, you have a heart for service, I hear it from you, like, yeah. can you point to anything can I that's particular? Good, um, anything in particular, I think, one, me my nature is to, is a people pleaser. Like I, I like to make people happy. I think that is inherent in my nature. Um, so that is a, as a base level of like, Hey, I like to make people happy. I like to please people. Um, so that, that starts with the volunteer piece and that heart of service. Um, I think how it's grown from there is just maybe reflection, little understanding education. So whether it was, you know, when I did give back, just how I felt afterwards, uh-huh. like, oh, hey, this actually feels pretty good. I feel nice. Um, you know, I like to give gifts. I, I would rather give a gift sometimes than get a gift. Um, so that natural feeling of giving. Can you keep giving. a secret when it's a gift? Do you buy something and want to give it away right away? No, I can keep a secret. Oh, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you know why? Is because I, like, there, there have been times, yeah. don't get me wrong, where I, like, want to tell someone but I do enjoy seeing that reaction, and so of what the gift is. I'm so. terrible. I'll buy a gift. I'm like, I want to give it away right immediately. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, I, I can, I can keep a secret. So. Last minute shopper. This no, guy. Oh, I, yeah. I am a pretty like. This is my weekend. I'm gonna go do it. Yeah. I'm gonna get my shopping done. Here's my list. I think about it. I, I put some, put a little time, and so you know, there's, there's the quick like, oh hey, I gotta go grab a birthday gift for someone. But like Christmas shopping, like. I will probably be making my list here in a couple of weeks. Nice. So. I love it. I bet you're a good gift. I, I, we try. Yeah. We try. But the evolution of you know, service. Yeah. Like that. I just, yeah, I find that interesting, just how people get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. whether it was work and then through, uh, you know, my education, you get reinforced with some of your beliefs that, oh, hey, if I give my time to someone, then they're going to pay it back. You know, naturally I'd found like if I, all right, if I sacrifice a little or if I, hey, all right, yeah, I'm really busy, but if I take the five minutes to go help this person, like I've earned their, their respect, the ability to ask for something in need and just their trust. So when it's like, hey, when I need something of them, it's going to be returned. Um, and then, you know, progressing to as a leader, you know, I am constant, I try to constantly say, hey, what can I do to support you? What do you need? You know, my job you know, we see like a lot of branches in org charts or, you know, the pyramid. I try to think of the, uh, the other way where it's, yes. so, you know, I have my direct reports and it's like, okay, what can I do? Give them the tools they need to be successful. 
Um, and then they can do the same for their teams. Be in service. Yes. Service. Yep. Yeah. Servant leadership. Yep. Yep. So, um, and that's been reinforced mm. whether through education, leadership, Spokane, experience, you know, the most successful folks that I know are the ones who say, hey, I notice that this isn't going well for you. What what can I do differently? Is there something I'm missing? And, and at times, like, you do have to say, like, hey, you're just not following through. Um, but for the most part, when you just take that extra second to say, hey, here's some things I've noticed. Here's some things that I think I might be able to help you with. Or, hey, is there anything I'm missing? And then a lot of times, too, that person will come back, well, hey, yes, I would really appreciate that. And I recognize that I should have been doing X, Y, and Z things. Well, yes. And accountability, mm -hmm. I also think, can be, you know, in service to others, too. Mm -hmm. When you hold people accountable, hold yourself accountable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, everyone knows where they stand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we can, definitely. you know, definitely. change the world. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So. Well, I just appreciate um yeah, your thoughts around that. What's uh, happening in the future of Ronald McDonald House? Um, you know, any events? Like, how do people get involved? Yeah, so there's quite a few ways you can get involved. So uh, strictly, we'll start from the volunteer standpoint. Sure. Um, so the meals program, which is probably one of our most popular volunteer programs, that uh, has come back. And so you can cook a meal for a family or for the families. Um, we have... Slots open every night since uh, the start of the pandemic. October last month was the first time since the pandemic we had every meal covered uh, for dinner. So that's one of the best ways. It helps cut down our costs for food and supplying food for the families. Um, so there's that. You can cook dinners every night of the week. Um, on the weekends is when br breakfast and lunch opportunities would be available. Um, as well, if you have any sort of trade skills, you know, we, we do have a house that's 35 years old. Um, and so there are updates that need to be happen happening. So if you have any sort of trade skill that you could offer us that, hey, you know, I can come fix, you know, a toilet or, hey, I, paint. Can, uh, I can paint, yeah. I can do some wiring, whatever it is. Like we're always looking for volunteers for that, you know, um, over the summer months lawn service you know the 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 lawn mowing the um uh just lawn maintenance uh anything like that all those junipers out front yes, there yes the gardens yeah. you know you know ex you know during the start of the season end of season we get a lot of people who know like oh you need help shutting down your lawn or bringing up your line. Yes, we do. So, um, those are ways, um, supply drives are huge, um, cuts down, uh, on costs for us and it goes directly to serving the family. So we have a wish list, uh, that's up always on our Amazon. Um, we're going to be starting to put out content. How does someone access that Amazon? If you go to our website at rmhcinlandnw.org, uh, you can find that supply wish list along with all the other volunteer opportunities. Um, but then, uh, we also, uh, here we're going to be announcing every Friday, just what are the top needs? Uh, you know, Hey, here are the 10 things we need. Like, Hey, we need more sugar for coffee. Hey, we're down on cake cups. Hey, we need canned food. Um, so those supply drives are huge, uh, because that does cut on, cut down on the cost for us. And then for those folks who want to make sure that their gift is going directly to a family, that is, that's a big yeah, way. You're like, here you go. Yep. Um, also for those business folks out there who are traveling, you know, if you're in the hotel and there's the, the little travel shampoo or soap or whatever, if you grab that, throw in your bag and it's unused, we will, we will take that. Um, because most of the families who, who stay with us, they have less than 24 hour notice. Um, you know, they're going to the doctor for a cough and then next thing you know, they're, you know, on their way up to Spokane. It's the last thing they think about is yes. putting that in their bag. Well, and then they, yeah. they also, it's that 
and they don't know how long they're going to be there. So they might Good pack point. like, oh, hey, I'll pack a bag for the weekend, and then they're going to be there for a month. And so they need those supplies. So, you know, if you're traveling and you just want to throw a couple of those shampoo things in your bag and then bring them back to us, we would gladly take those. I'm heading to Tampa for work on uh, Sunday. There you go. I will grab those. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I bring my own shampoo, so I always am like, oh, I'm going to just throw some of these in my bag. Um, so those, those things add up quickly. Um, and like I said, I mentioned the supply drives. Um, we still take the pop tabs. Um, you know, if you, I have one in my house and so, you know, whether it's a pop, a soda, a beer, just pop off that tab, throw it in the little box and we still collect those. Um, and we still see, you know, profit from those. That, that's, really? What do you do with them? I always uh, wondered. We turn them into recycling and, okay. then, and then we get a check back. So that, that, those dollars add up. Um, you know, our partner is McDonald's. And so when you go to McDonald's and they have the roundups or they have the little change drop, if you drop it in that those dollars come back to us. The lo- Does it stay local? Those local McDonald's, they come back to us. Um, and so if, uh, if you are at McDonald's and you see the thing, you pay with cash, please throw your change in there. Cause that comes back to your local house. Uh, and that's all the McDonald's from basically anywhere east of the Cascades and Cascades into Northern Idaho. Oh, wow. So all of yeah. Eastern Washington, North Idaho, those McDonald's, those dollars come back to us. Um, so there's that. And then, um, you know, we're, we're just in the midst of finalizing our budget. So we're going to have some events here that we will be, uh, announcing, um, here. So they'll, they'll be on the lookout for those. We obviously will take volunteers for those events, cuts down on the staff costs. Uh, and then lastly, uh, obviously, you know, the, a donation, if you can make any sort of donation, um, we are in the midst of announcing our end of year giving plan. Um, and so every dollar counts, uh, to going back to helping a family, it approximately cost about $225 a night to, sure. for a family to stay. That covers their stay, their food, their transportation to and from the hospital, um, and all the other costs while they're there for a night. So I love hearing that. That seems very low yeah. for a whole family. It's yeah. like you have this dialed in. Yeah. So 225 yeah. for a night covers the cost for a family, um, and that adds up quickly. So um, we served l- last year in 2021 – um, we served approximately 12,000 nights of lodging, um, which is about, um, 700 families. Wow. So, um, yeah, every little bit helps. So there's that. Um, we also have our adopt a room program. So for $5,000 for the year, you can sponsor a room and any family that stays there, you are staying, you're paying for their stay. Um, and so that end of year campaign is going on right now. If you go onto our website, it's to give a cookie. As soon as you pop up, the bubble pops up. Uh, we have monthly contributions, um, and we will be recognizing those donors who give on a monthly basis. And we're going to have a whole subscription for them as well. And then as well as our large contributors. So every little bit helps. Well, you heard it right here. There's a lot of ways to <laughs> yes, help. The yes, house. there are. Yes, there are. I was, um, at a GSI event this last week, and it was about marketing communication. Mm-hmm. I heard a couple of questions from some local nonprofits, and like, how do you get your message out? Mm-hmm. Like, you have uh, some national backing mm-hmm. uh, to help kind of craft messaging and whatnot, but it still happens at the local level, right? Yeah. I'm curious, what's your guys' strategies? How how are you successfully telling people? Yeah. That's something that we, going into this year, are going to take a huge look at and making sure we're being very focused in our efforts. Um, So the first piece we did is uh, going into next year, finishing out this year, is just like, 
let's have a, a central theme message. What are the five things we want to cover? Um, so we started with that. So any message we put out, whether it's a piece of content for an event, whether it's an announcement for a new program, whether it's a end of year giving pan campaign, whether it's a social media post, it needs to accomplish one of these five things. Um, so we started with that. Let's build out that. This is going to be the, the central focus for all of our branding. So that way we have a central message. So, you know, we have a very recognizable logo. Um, but then when we're making any sort of announcement, does it accomplish one of these five things so that we can connect our story? Um, so that's the first thing that we worked on. And then smart. It's like, it's planned. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah we've, we've put, we've put some thought into it. So one, like I said, just getting that, what is the message we're trying to get across? So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing we are doing is just taking a look at um, the trends, what's going on, looking at what other, other houses are doing. So we're pretty fortunate. Like you mentioned, we do have that global entity. Um, so there are certain things we're, we're saying, let's not recreate the wheel, wheel here. You know, they've got great content. Once again, staying on message, staying on brand, let's use the same content. So, you know, people see something, they recognize it's, it's, it's us. So we looked at that, but then, you know, we are looking at, um, so we, we send out a newsletter uh -huh. um, and we've been doing uh, digital and print, um, but then looking at, okay, who's getting the print, who's getting the digital, what are our returns on the print, what are our returns on the digital? So taking a look and saying, oh, hey, we know that these 200 people send us a check every time we send out the print uh, newsletter. So let's make sure those 200 people. Yeah. But then these people who we've sent, you know, newsletters every year for the last four years haven't sent us one check, but we know that they respond to an email. Okay. Let's make sure that they get the email and they don't get that. Yeah. Cause it's not a function of the want. Yeah. It's just how they're accessing the message. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, the next thing is we are going to make a, a real big push on our social media. Um, we recognize that's just an avenue that we can be better at and have a great way to share our story. Um, and so we're coming up with a, a full year long plan of, okay, these are the amount of posts we want to make a day. Here's what one of them has to be. If we don't have one, we'll make sure to do something on the holiday. Every week we need to have a family story. So it's, once again, it goes back to that plan. Very laid out, very planned. We're staying on brand. We're staying on message. And then being a constant presence. Yes. Um, that's the other piece that we really want to focus on is that consistent message. Um, and then, then the last piece uh, is um, making sure we're sharing our information appropriately with our partners and donors. So recognizing our partners, I mentioned McDonald's, whether it's our hospital partners, the longtime partners who've been with us um, for forever, we want to make sure we recognize them. We keep them in the loop too. Hey, this is how, this is where your dollars are going to. Hey, you awesome. donated this. This is how we can translate it into what happened, whether it's you donated to this specific item, here it is, or hey, you donated this. This is what happened with it. This is, you know, you put your logo on this. Here's the impressions that you got. So that's the other pieces, sharing with them. Yeah, let them have. be a part of the whole story, right? Mm -hmm. Not just a transaction, but right. like the story. Yeah, yeah. So, um, can and we then, step back just for a second? Yeah, yeah, I'd go love for it. if go you for would it. share with our listeners, yeah. like, what platforms are you looking at? Uh, f as far as just for social media, um, it's always like this magic little, yeah, yeah. You know, thing yeah. <laughs> no one really knows uh so so facebook and instagram are going to be two big ones uh linkedin we're going to lean very heavy into this year um i see that as a untapped potential just given that um there's a lot of 
of our partners on there. Right. Um, and not so much, um, you know, we will share family stories on there, but we see that as a way to recognize our partners. Um, so, you know, Hey, other business. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that they can push out that influence because, um, you know, our, our, our McDonald's partner or, you know, uh, Bowden who built the house. Um, they're not on there sharing their Facebook. Oh, Hey, look what we built. Absolutely. If we're going to highlight Bowden as a partner, let's put it in a platform where they can share that with their respective partners too. Um, so LinkedIn's one that we're going to, we're going to lean pretty heavily into, um, not to overdo it, but just be very, um, tactful. Once again, planning out when we utilize that. Um, we do have a YouTube channel that's more to house a lot of our videos. Um, this uh, this go around of year end giving, we are we're looking to, we're experimenting and seeing what the return is on uh, and have been on the ads that show up before a video. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so we've been pretty tactful in how we structure the video. You know what happens when they skip skip or hit the skip button, you know, what do we want to get across in that five seconds before they hit it when it doesn't. Um, so we're really just trying to see where that can lead to us. Um, cause it is a different generation, um, that is coming up, you know, digital media, digital streaming is a big platform that there's not a lot of information out at the moment. Um, but it is an area that we think that, you know, we can tap into and see what would happen. Um, and then really, I think just assessing w- there's other mediums, whether it's, you know, the print ads, billboards, radio. Um, I think with those, we just want to be tactful in how we utilize them. So if it's an event that is catered more towards a, maybe a younger gender demographic, yeah. maybe radio is something we're going to shy away from. Um, because we know like, Hey, this demographic doesn't really listen to the radio, but we might say, Hey, let's see if we can find maybe podcast ads. Um, as a, as a way of opportunity. So good gab needs a sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) Always looking, always looking for those. So yeah, I think that's the, the last thing is just who is listening to what and what mediums. And, you know, when we structure our events where we look at, Hey, who is this catering to? Are we tapping into a market that would not be one that we would have reached out to? So how do we reach that market in our advertising? I love it. You're taking this very focused approach. It's you know, using some of those you know business tools mm-hmm. and put it in the nonprofit world. This, yeah. I think nonprofits need these skills. Yeah. Like we want to change the world. We want to move the needle. We want to help more people. Right. Well, let's do it. Yeah. And, it, and it's a fine balance. I mean, as you know, when you're running a nonprofit, there's a, a culture and a consistency, consistency you want to maintain with that. But then also you have to understand like, well, it's, it's, I still have to, run a business and still make sure we're doing right with our dollars. So it is a fine balance of let's not lose our culture, but at the same time, like we need to get our message out there um, because there's a lot of messaging that goes out right now and a lot of nonprofits that are looking for a lot of dollars. And so let's make sure we're one that, that stands out. I love it. I know. um, I can't imagine being in any other business before coming, you know, from the sales world for most of my life Mm -hmm. and then, being fortunate enough to learn about the nonprofit world and then be in it. Yeah. And then, you know, be part of a team to, you know, change people's lives and, and affect our communities in a positive way. It's like, I just can't imagine anything else. Yeah. 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 Agreed. And like I said, leaving for a little bit to go to a for-profit world, just to see the other side of things was really beneficial. Like, okay, like, there are, con- there are similarities here. There are differences, but there, there is some sharing that can go on. Yeah. You, we can be in service. We can keep the lights mm-hmm. on. We mm-hmm. can do more. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, Phil, you know, I just appreciate your time. And I'm wondering, do you have uh, any parting thoughts for our listeners today? Oh, man. Parting thoughts. Whew. Um, You've heard it here, everyone. (laughs) Changing the world. (laughs) Changing the world. Um, Parting thoughts. Uh, Yeah, so what would I say? So uh, when I have, through my time, I got to work with a lot of young people. And um, when I was at the Y... Uh, they would always ask me like as a young successful person, like, Hey, what's your advice to continue that success? And, uh, you know, you've, you've achieved a lot. Um, how did you do it? What would you, what would you give as advice? Um, and so, so I, I say this to like other young leaders out there. It's like the first thing is like, well, I got here cause I put my head down and I grinded, um, and so I would stress that like, you gotta, you gotta put your head down and you gotta grind. And at times it's, it's not going to be fun and it's going to be tough. <laughs> yes. Um, there, believe me, there are plenty of times where I like, and, and for any job, um, but when you are, you know, maybe the low person on the totem pole, like there are times it's a bummer and you just got to put your head down and you got to grind. Um, and it's not going to be immediate either. Like, just because you did it for maybe a month or a year, like it's not going to happen tomorrow. Like I, I would say where I'm at now was not, didn't happen over a month or a year. It was over an extended period of time. It was, you know, five, 10 Cumulative. years of grinding. Yeah. Doing grad school at the same time, like that adds up. So, um, that's the first thing is, uh, just, you know, be ready to put your head down and grind. Um, I think uh, the the second thing I try to always tell young people is like, just understand you're not the smartest person in the room. Um, and like, I remember like being young and coming up as a young professional and being like, oh, I'm young, I'm <laughs> professional, I know what I'm doing. Like, well, I've never been there. Yeah, no, no and, and I know everyone can relate to this. <laughs> Absolutely, like, we like, can. I speak to myself all the time. And so um, I, you know, I just try to really emphasize that like, you're not the smartest people in person in the room. And I think what I always try to do is I try to surround myself with people who are smarter than me. Yes. And, and I like openly admit, like I tried to do that. It's only going to make me better because then I can learn, but then it makes the, you know, the organization in, in business better. Um, and then really try to learn from them and understand what I, I know, but then also as importantly, understand what I don't know. And so if I have a skill, a quality, uh, and something I don't have as great understanding, I want to put someone who can fill that hole to, so a, I can learn from, but then B can help in my deficiencies and, and recognize that that's okay. That that's why I put that person there yes. to build assist a team. That. Yes. That's what building a team is. You know, if I, I, and when I build it, I related back to sports, you know, if, you know, I'm building a team, whether it's any sport, like if it's, if it's football, for example, and Hey, if I've got the speedy wide receiver who can get down the field at any second, but I don't have someone who, but can't like make good route running. I want to try and get that because that person has a deficiency, nothing to get this person because that person has skill. We all have our parts to play on their strengths. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 
Wise words. Yeah. Do you have any jobs uh, open right now at Ronald McDonald House? Uh, no, not at the moment. Um, I can see why. You're building the heck of a <laughs> team. We, I was going to say, we're join this team. Yeah. This is a good, good group. <laughs> I can already see it. Yeah, no, not not at the moment. Um, I think we might be having one or two opening here in the next week mm-hmm. or so, um, but not in the moment. But uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty pleased to have a, a full team back. So. I love what um, you all are building and... Just a heck of an organization and happy to, you know, see uh, your perspective. And I know our listeners are extremely interested in what's going on. I've heard how to uh, engage with your organization. And just, yeah. Phil, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me. And thanks for letting me share a little bit. So. Yeah. yeah. All definitely. right. 